Hello, and welcome to King's Chapel Canada's podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at King's Chapel Canada. Now featuring Althea Matias. Hello, welcome back. Today I'm talking about steps for growth. I'm going to share with you seven steps for growth that I personally have done in my life. Um, that helps that has helped me grow spiritually, um, mentally, physically, not really physically, but like um, just like in in life, um, like career wise, professionally, um, emotionally, relationally, I've just grown in all these areas, um, but mainly spiritually. Um, so I'm just gonna get right into it. Number one, the steps for growth is know your destiny. First uh, John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So, what's the point there? You need to know your destiny because, you know, they always say that one way to get what you want is you need to want it or something. I remember um, in high school, uh, we were talking about like the keys to success. And I my number one point was like, you got to want to be successful to be successful. And she and my everyone was laughing. Um, but it's true because unless you want to be successful, um, you won't. It's like people who are very content with their life. They they don't grow because they don't want to grow. They don't want to be pushed out of their comfort zone. They don't want to have to learn more or do more. They're very happy with where they're at. So you have to first know or sorry, you need to first want to grow. So that's the first thing. But second is once you know that you want to grow because you would have like clicked on this podcast if you didn't want to grow. Um, but you need to know your destiny. And the Bible says that for everyone born of God overcomes the world. When you get saved, when you are born again, you know, you're born of God. That's, that's what it says. You become born of God. And what does that mean? Everyone born of God overcomes the world. That is your destiny. When you are born into the kingdom of God, your destiny is to overcome the world. Okay, now you're probably going, well, how am I supposed to do that? Well, I'm going to tell you how, but it says this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Our faith is what overcomes the world. You're probably going, how are we supposed to overcome the world? It's by faith. It's knowing that God's word is true, knowing that that's literally my destiny. My destiny is to overcome the world. And when I have this revelation for myself, I realize I'm supposed to overcome the world. There's something in this world that I'm supposed to be on top. The Bible says that I'm supposed to be above only, never beneath the head and not the tail. Um, on hills, never on valleys. So I'm like, there is something that I'm supposed to overcome. And I knew that by faith, I was going to receive it. So number one is know your destiny, know that you're meant to overcome. So then if we know that we're supposed to be on top, how do we get there? So that's why, hence the growth. Number two is change your confession. Change what you say. Mark 11, 23 says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. In Mark eleven twenty three, it says, You will have whatever you say. Now, it was talking in terms of faith and moving mountains and whatever you want. If you don't doubt in your heart, you will have. But it says at the end, it says that he shall have whatsoever he saith. That's like semicolon. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So whatever you say, you will have. Everything you have in your life is a result of you asking for it. Or you confessing it or something. For example, like little kids, just think about it. Like little kids don't get anything unless they ask for it. What do we say? What do you want? And they say what they want. And then we say, say please. And then we give it to them. Everything in your life is given or you have because it's a product of what you've said. Good or bad. If you say, oh, 
like this course is going to be so hard I'm going to get an F in this class people literally get F's in that class um if you say that um you know I always walked around school going I'm like the smartest kid God's given me an amazing mind there's nothing in this school that's ever going to be too hard for me so I took the hardest program there was in high school which was like um the IB diploma yeah degree IB diploma thing so yeah I did that I did the full thing and they say that the hardest high school preparatory thing you could do and I did it and I overcame because whatever you say is what you will have every time I claimed that that was mine I had it every time I was like oh I don't know if I'm gonna get it I don't really deserve it I never got things whatever comes out of your mouth matters because it says whatsoever he saith he shall have so whatever you say you will have so change your confession when it comes to a job start claiming that you have a job you know all the jobs I've gotten in my life is because I claimed um that I that they were mine and I didn't have a doubt in my heart when I had a little bit of doubt in my heart I didn't get it or if I if I convinced myself why I wouldn't get it like oh you know I'm just not as experienced I just da, 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 da. if you say those things you literally like you don't get it and I, I've seen this in my own life like I remember um just like recently being like I believe I'm gonna get out of Starbucks and I believe I'm gonna have a a, a business job where I wear like business clothing and I have an office and I have those things so it's whatever you say is what will happen so I am so careful especially when I'm like talking to the youth whatever they say I'm always very careful like hey what are you saying because whatever you say is what happens you know um they were I was like watching this thing where they were you know whenever they do like crime solving mysteries or whatever and like they find that people who like after the map like after the matter I was like watching this one about like people who would commit suicide and um sometimes okay I'm not saying all cases but this has happened I watched this in a show um but they were saying that the the students around them and their parents would say like oh they always joked about dying or they, they always joked about killing themselves like oh I'd probably be one of those people who like kill myself they said it jokingly but whatever you say is what you have. So you need to be very careful. You know, the the devil can't read your mind. Jonathan Shuttlesworth always says that he can, like, he only knows what's going to happen five minutes from now. He doesn't know anything more than that. So whatever you say is how the devil gets into your life because he can, he doesn't need to read your mind because we say everything that comes out of our mind. So when you say things like, oh, I'm scared, it allows the spirit of fear to continue to manifest in your life. When you say, oh, I'm worried, it allows the spirit of worry to continue to manifest in your life. Whatever you say out of your mouth gives power to either God or gives power to the devil. You choose. That's why out of the, right, death and life from the power of the tongue, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And God is a person who measures you off your heart and what's in your heart. And how does he know what's in your heart? What comes out of your mouth? So everything's interlinked. Um, so change your confession, okay? Don't don't say where you are. Say where you're going, okay? Like I would say I get that I'm at Starbucks, um, but I said I believe I have more. I, I see that where I am in life, but I know that I'm going to be above only never beneath. I know right now I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm going to be where I am. It's so important that you say that and if you convince you and you convince yourself, you know, um, always say it out loud so that your spirit can hear it. Sometimes we say it in our heads and then we always wonder why is it so important to say it out loud? It's so that you can hear it because if you say something enough times, you kind of believe it. You ever watch those little kids on um, YouTube and they're like talking to themselves in the mirror like, telling themselves what they are like you're smart you're beautiful you're amazing and we laugh at them but now what what is the world all about self-affirmation and like telling what to be so see the world has caught on on what the word of god says so whatever you say it will happen that's why even people i know who aren't saved who are like super successful you know and even in the business industry they they literally know they talk about this uh the power of your confession 
also in the secular world. They say, um, you know, I had a friend, she's not saved, and she said, I want $100,000. And she's like, you know what I could do with $100,000? And she just started professing it. She's not saved, you guys. She just started saying, I'm going to have $100,000. I'm going to have $100,000. I am a $100,000 earner. She would say these things. And then literally like a week later, she got $100,000. Her like grandmother had passed away and had left $100,000 in her name. Um, her and her husband's name. So like literally, so this thing that I'm talking about, the power of your confession, changing your confession is huge. So the Bible says that even if like non-believers use the word of God, it still works because the word of God is true and anyone can use it. It's profitable unto everything. So anyone can use it. And so literally that's what the world has caught on. So you know what's crazy though, is the world is doing this and they're just doing it and they're getting it. And yet Christians are like not, which is so dumb because on top of the, skills and the um the avenues that the god that the lord's given us we've also been given god himself and we have that power to bring things into fruition so you know it's so important it's so important to change what you're saying um and start saying what you proclaim and what you expect okay so that's number two change your confession that's how i grew when i was like oh you know what like even when it comes to sin Okay, like always saying you're a sinner. Um, oh, I'm like, I have these problems. I have those problems. I'm not perfect. Those things will keep you in that area. I started saying I'm righteous. I'm holy. And then I became those things. Not because I, you know, like, sure, I worked a little bit, but I tried like shaking sin off on my own and it doesn't work. And then as soon as I realized once you change what you are, it like changes. It's like, literally, it's like people who are alcoholics, if they keep saying I'm an alcoholic, they continue to be alcoholics. But the ones who are like, I'm a different person, I'm changed, that's not who I am anymore, they literally have a full turnaround. It's, you can tell who's gonna make it by what people say, you know? Um, I, as uh, working at Starbucks, I would like train new people and we'd have new people coming in all the time. And I would know who would thrive based on how they talked. Um, like after a shift, I'd be like, oh, how, how'd you do? And the ones would be like, oh, like not good, but like, you know, like, I think that's decent for me. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty new. And they I would say I'm just new. And they'd say they're new. They're like, oh, I'm only three weeks old. I've only been working here for three months. And then I ended up being like, I've only been here for like nine months. Like, no matter how long they've been there, they were still saying they were new. And then, so they never really improved. But then the ones who were like, you know what? T um, today was okay, but I, I know that I'm going to get better. It's just each day I'm going to get a little bit better, a little better. And I'm going to be great one day. And those are the ones who thrived. It's literally what you say is what out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So knowing people's heart is knowing what you say. So if you want the desires of your heart, confess what you desire, and then you will have the desires of your heart. Amen. Number three, read the Bible. Okay. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is discerner and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So read the Bible, you guys. Especially, you know, I'm going to mainly focus here on spiritual growth. But if you want to grow in the knowledge of God, you need to read the Word of God. Okay? It, there's no way around it. If you don't have a strong Bible life, a Bible reading life, like every area of your life is not going to be strong. Because, you know, what's funny is Jonathan Shuttlesworth was saying that he... Um, was talking to these main apostles, like to this like big apostle, like a guy who actually has like thousands of ministries under him. And they said that 
every every ministry that they've done, no matter what sin it was, there was a turnaround, there was a recovery, there was a redemption. Like it, it didn't matter what it was. Like no matter like how bad it was, like adultery or like addiction, it didn't matter. It fell off. People always um, were able to turn around. But you know the one thing that people were not able to return from and like recover from, it was incorrect doctrine believing the wrong things and the bible says the only way to change that to change your mind is the renewing of your mind through the word of god because the word of god is like water that purifies your mind so you need to get in your word because it says the for the word of god is quick so you know um a lot of the translations this is the king james translations but a lot of them doesn't say that it says like powerful or like active um but the king james says quick and when I read quick, I said, wow, that's so true. Because you know what's interesting is when you have, when I have a problem at least, um, I will talk to so many people. I will Google, I will think, and my problems just don't get fixed. But you know what fixes my problem instantly? Reading the Word of God. Literally within seconds of reading the Word of God, my answer is so clear. Um, whatever worry or hurt I was carrying falls off immediately. It just falls off instantly because the Word of God is quick and the Word of God says the Word of God is quick. So if you need a quick answer, the Bible, okay? Um, that's why the more you know the Word, I was telling people that I've gotten to a point where when I ask God for, when I have a question about, to God, he answers it so fast. And I was like, before when I was younger and younger in my faith, it took me a while. Like I'd have, it would take weeks or days. Um, and I just wouldn't get an answer right away. I remember being that person like, I'm just waiting on my answer. And then I, now I say, like the moment I have a question, like, and I ask God, the answer is immediate and it's so thorough and there's multiple verses to back it up. And I have so much confirmation and you know what it is? It's because I have so much of the word of God in me that it is, I'm able to quickly reference to it and the answers are right away. And so when God, the Holy Spirit um, speaks to you first through the word of God, God first speaks through his word. So when you have the word in you, it's a very quick answer. So for the word of God is quick and powerful. Okay, it's so powerful. The word of God is so powerful. We sometimes deny the power of the Bible. You know, we think, oh, it's just a book that's been around for thousands of years. But you know, the most powerful people I know have such an understanding of the word of God because they've read the word of God countless times. That's why they're so powerful because they know who God is. I've said this before. You can't know God unless you know his word. And when you know his word and you know his word is powerful, that pow there's an impartation that happens when you, read about, when you read the word of God. The power that is in the word goes into your spirit and then you then carry that power. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You know what that means? In terms of your weapon, okay, it is the best, sharpest weapon you could ever have. And it's true because when Jesus was tempted on the mountain, the what weapon did he use? The word of God. He didn't speak in speed tongues. He didn't, um, you know, he was already fasted for 40 days and he was already tired. So, you know, he had already prayed and fasted. And what did he use to fight the devil? Like Satan himself, he used the word of God. So it shows you just how powerful it is. So it's so important to use that first in every area of our lives. Use the Bible first over anything else, okay? And it says, it's piercing even, dividing the sunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. So it pierces everything. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know, this is so true because um, when you go, when when I stop, when I don't read the Bible for like a couple days or a couple hours, I, I sense, um, it's like a shield. The Bible says it's like a shield too. So when you don't have that, it's very easy to kind of get attacked because the devil's never on a break. And, um... When I was going through this little attack, it lasted like um, literally like 20 hours because I got back in my word. Um, but 
I realized that when I was going through that, I didn't even know what my intentions were. I honestly, like the Bible says that it, the Bible is a discerner of the thoughts. Discerner is when you can know um, whether it, the, whether it's the spirit of God, the spirit of the devil, or your own self, to know whether which one is which. And you know what? I like when I was going through that, like when I didn't have the word of God in me at that time, it literally, I was so foggy. I didn't know what my heart's desire was. I didn't know what God's desire was. I didn't know what was what was the attack of the devil or what wasn't. Like, I was so confused and so muddled up. But the word of God is a discerner. So it literally discerns it for you. And as you read the word of God, because the word of God is the word of God. So you know everything in the word is God and everything not is, you know, not God. So it was very simple. And then it says, and the intents of the heart. The Bible is able to bring those out, to bring out what is the intent of your heart. You know, I've always prayed that God will change my heart and continue. You know, the Bible says that he takes her heart of stone and he makes it a heart of flesh and he purifies it and he changes it and a heart that um, now yearns for God. And I always, I'm always praying for that. And it says that it shows the intents of the heart because we can say we have a new heart, but you know, and we... Uh, the Bible, you know, if you ever look back in the Old Testament, it says the the heart is a deceiver, like it deceives you. So to know the intent, to see what is deceiving me, what part of my heart is deceiving me that's making me go in this area? Because it takes a level of humility to realize why am I kind of going in circles all the time in this area? What is it that needs to be fixed? And the Bible reveals that. It reveals the intents of the heart, your heart and other people's hearts, but it, it reveals the intent. So then you can realize, oh, that actually, I have an area of selfishness there that I need to get rid of. And I didn't know I had it until I read the word and I realized, oh, that's what the Bible says. So it reveals things and it makes things so clear. And in this world, you know, the Bible says that the Bible is a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. In the world where it's dark and murky and right now it just seems like it's getting darker um, because Jesus is coming. But the word of God is still a light. And it still shines where you need to go. And so when you need clarity, you need perspective, you need a brighter, like, you know, view. The word of God is your answer. So read the Bible, okay? And also, like, every one of the greatest, strongest, smartest men of God are written in the Bible. And the people after them who've gotten as wise and as smart is because they've literally done what the people in the Bible have done. So the Bible is literally like a handbook that has all the greats, all the great triumphs and all the great falls so you can see what people did so that you can do um, what they did so you can get what they result. You know, you know, if you want to be a super smart, then you can read the Bible and see what the super smart people do. You want to be super rich, you got to do what the super rich people did. It's that easy. And it gives you a handbook. You know, the biggest thing that people learn from is people's testimonials. You know, when people go on YouTube and they share like, oh, I was in this bad relationship because X, Y, and Z, you should look out for these factors. People listen to that because it's their testimony. The Bible says by the word of the testimony, many will be saved. Well, guess what? The Bible is full of testimonies of people who've done it and have done it right. So you can literally follow it without having to do it. You're on your own. You know, if someone else um, jumps off a bridge and dies, you don't need to go jump off a bridge to know that you'll die too. So it's basically that factor. If you see that someone got hurt that way, you don't need to do that. Or if you see someone succeeded that way, you can do that way. You don't need to figure it out on your own. The Bible literally tells you how to do things. And God speaks through his words so clearly and so powerfully. I have the best revelations and the biggest revelations when I'm reading the word of God. It, it blows me away. All right, number four. Read books in that area, okay? So, um, so obviously read the Bible, but then also read books in that area. So in terms of if you want to grow in 
faith. Read books on faith. If you want to grow in air, in your um, in the power of healing, read books on healing. You know, I read when I was first when I first introduced to um, to divine healing. I read T. L. Osborne's book Healing the Sick, um, and then Jonathan Shuttlesworth's book Dominion Over Sickness and Disease. And it increases your faith, and you're able to do what they do, and you literally your knowledge increases. Jonathan always says. Reading people's books is what's able to get what people have worked 30 years for to learn, and you get to learn it in, like, three days or however long it takes you to read the book. But literally, that's what it is. So God does not put T.L. Osborne on this earth for us to learn about divine healing from the beginning. God did not put Billy Graham on this earth for us to learn how to preach salvation from the very beginning. He puts all those people before us so that we can learn. That's why the best time to live is now. Because you're living after all these years of history for you to step on and stand on and figure out and learn from and move forward with. You have all that. It's like medicine right now is greater than ever was before because it has all of the research and all the trials and all the past things before it you're greater now than ever before for us not to read um books on that area for us not to seek out like past professionals is so stupid why would you go out like you know like imagine if someone like knew that thomas edison made a light bulb and we have light bulbs everywhere but they said i'm gonna try to make a light bulb like out of no out of nothing why why are you gonna try to rediscover something that someone already discovered why not rather go greater and learn more that's why it's so important to read books um, yeah, you know, books are so important. I don't know why, um, I feel like right now, um, the younger generation has kind of lost the importance of reading books, but you guys, books is like the number, personally, my favorite way of receiving, um, an impartation from people, um, and learning from them and gaining all their knowledge in a very organized way because, like, yeah, there's, like, videos and stuff, um, and preaching's really good too, but when there's a book, it's like that, that person who went through it, they took time to organize their thoughts and make it sound correct and, um, you know, put it in a way that is able to be instructionable. Instructionable? Like, that's not a word. Um, like, away from the instruction and of teaching so you can follow it. So that's important. The Bible says in Hebrews 6, 12, that ye, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So, Bible says it too, y'all. It does. It says, don't be slothful. What does that mean? It says, another translation says, don't be lazy. You know, sloths, they move slow. And I like the slothful, the slothful translation more than the lazy one because lazy just means like people who do nothing. But the Bible says slothful because sloths, if you know, they still move. Like they're still living. They're just slow. And sometimes we get caught in the, I'm moving. I'm just not moving at a fast pace. And that's okay. No, it's not. The Bible says, don't be slothful. So you need to move fast, okay? Jesus did not, like, aimlessly tread the ground and, you know, get... No, like, he had things to do. You're on this earth for a reason. You don't have time to be wasted, okay? We gotta get moving. I remember someone posted on Facebook, like, during this quarantine. Oh, like, don't feel bad if you're not doing anything productive. It's like, oh my goodness. The world, like, has gotten to a point where no matter how bad you're doing in life, there's still a hug for you, like... Oh, don't worry if you've done nothing today. You you burn some calories laying down. Like, you know, no, that's not okay. We, the Bible says don't be slothful. We can't get lost in this laziness. You know, the Bible says that the number one way that the devil um, can inhibit you as Christians is to put you to sleep. That's literally the devil's attack. If he can attack you with sin, he can attack you with sickness and disease. You know what he'll do? He'll put you to sleep. So those of you who are like, well, I'm not struggling in sin. I'm not like... um. I'm not struggling in other areas. Well, guess what? You're asleep because you're not doing anything. And that's the devil's tactic to keep you inactive. Because guess what? When you get to heaven, guess what you're judged on? Your works. So get it together. You got to work. Okay? So it says for the, um, don't be slothful, but followers who 
we're supposed to follow. Followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So the ones who've gone before us and through faith and perseverance and patience, they inherited the promises. That's who we should follow. So it's important because the Bible says to be followers. Okay, you're not supposed to be an island unto yourself and to be a lone ranger. We're a body. We're the body of Christ. We're all connected. We're God, G, sorry, Jesus is the head of the body and, and we're the body. Christ is the head, we're the body. So we need to follow him. So our life as followers of Christ is to continuously follow. And another um, other verses say, follow me as I follow Christ. The apostles say, follow me as I follow Jesus because they were with them. They were with Jesus Christ. They knew how to follow. So listen to people who've gone through it. Don't try to do it on your own. And you know, it's a step of humility too. Okay, I learned this. To be like, I don't know this yet. I need to learn from someone so that I can then do what they did. Don't think I'm going to try to figure it out on my own because that's when people get into weird doctrine. They start making up their own things based off their own situations. Be like, this is what happened in my life. So this is what must be true. That's not true. And what I said earlier, people can't recover from bad doctrine. You start getting meddled up in that. You, and then if you start teaching other people that, you know, there's a big penalty for you. The Bible says that those who lead people astray have a big uh, punishment coming for them. So you know, it's very important to learn from people so that you, what you're saying aligns with the body of Christ. If what you're saying doesn't align with the body of Christ, guess what? You're probably wrong. Okay? Every time I say things or when I feel like the Holy Spirit has said, led me to say something and no one else is saying it around me, I go listen to great men and women of God. And they say the same thing. I'm like, okay, that was from the Holy Spirit. Get confirmation. Don't be like, I'm, you know, holiest thou and I know everything just because I read the Bible, like I read a chapter, okay? Like it's so important. That's how we keep ourselves in check. That's why the Bible has um, things in place for prophets that the other prophets can keep them in check that we should filter out through the word of God. There are things in place to ensure we're still on track and to bypass those, um, those kind of guidelines that God laid out for us is reckless and rebellious and it's not safe and it's actually very dangerous in the kingdom of God so as you grow that's why the Bible says those who um, humble themselves will be exalted and those who exalt themselves will be humbled because it's so important in this moment when you're trying to grow you know the best way to grow is to humble yourself before God to realize like Lord I am nothing without you you know you've given me all these gifts and abilities but I don't want to do anything apart from you because I only want to do what is a part of your will and then you'll see growth so that's what I learned until I was able to put aside every weight, put aside my own dreams and desires because it was not in line with God. You know, I even tried it. I was 19 when I finally decided I was going to fully follow God. And I, for 19 years, had pursued my own thing. And I realized it was not getting me anywhere. You know, for a short moment, for a short while, you will. That's why it says that um, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. In order for you to get up there, you had to get up there to be exalted. To be humbled, you have to be had been exalted. So you had to like raise yourself up. And, you know, I'm so thankful by the grace of God that at 19, I was able to realize that because, you know, there's people on this earth that literally at 75 or 50, they were, they exalted themselves and then got humbled that they, you know, they built themselves up for so long and then they was finally humbled. So it's important to humble yourself first and let God be the one to bring you up. Okay. And he'll exalt you. And it says that we should follow them. Sorry. I'm just going back to my notes. Next uh, scripture I have was Proverbs 13, 20 for reading books on the area. It says, he that walketh with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So there it is again. Like you want to be wise, walk with people who are wise. So it's important to read um, other books. Like when I say other books, I mean by men of God, like T.L. Osborne and Kenneth Hagin and all great men of God, not like random fictional books. Okay. Don't be reading those. Read books that will add value to your life. Okay. And in areas that make sense, Jonathan always, uh, Jonathan Shuttleworth always says that 
um, his like brother-in-law was trying to grow um, in life and he was reading um, all these books on like the gifts of the Holy Spirit but he was called to be like a construction guy and Jonathan Zola was like oh how many books do you want on construction and he's like zero I've been reading all these other books and he was like oh well you can't grow in construction if you don't read construction books so it works in every area like the Bible is obviously super important but when it comes to um, growing in like different areas, it's it's good to read other books and it's important. Um, Jonathan says in his book Financial Overflow that if you're like called to grow in like business or an area or a field, that you should read as many books in that field as you do the Bible. So that goes vice versa. You shouldn't just be focusing like you know reading 110 books on business and like not reading the Bible. You hand in hand together. You need both because the knowledge people if you walk with the wise you will yourself be wise so if you continue to surround yourself with good knowledge um and wisdom from others you yourself will be wise but it says but a companion of fools shall be destroyed so it's not that a you know i quoted this verse to someone the other day and i said a companion of fools will be a fool but it's actually worse it says a companion of fools shall be destroyed when you do it the other way when you surround yourself with the wrong people you surround yourself with fools who don't know what they're doing okay um you shall be destroyed and that's scary because if we are getting instruction from the wrong people or the wrong things, it can destroy you. So um, there's a little pr uh, protection there to follow the wisdom. So that's why it's so important that you're not just taking instruction and hang out with just anyone. Okay, be very careful and mindful who you surround yourself with, what you're reading, what you're allowing to get into your heart. You know, there's only two ways for things to get into your heart, your eyes and your ears. So whatever you're watching, whatever you're listening to, that is what gets into your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why when people who um, listen to like music with swearing, over time they will start to swear. It's inevitable because whatever you fill in out of the abundance of their heart, your mouth speaks. Um, and it's so true. So be very careful. But yeah, so increase your knowledge on those areas. Number five is focus on your gifts. Because, you know, we're all called to something specific. You know, if the Bible says that we're all supposed to overcome, and be the head and not the tail. We can't all be the head in the same thing. You know what I mean? Like we're not all called to do the same thing because if we're all called to be plumbers, then first of all, the world's not gonna thrive with just plumbers on the earth. But if we're all called to be plumbers and we're all called to be a above only, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. So we all have different purposes and callings. And with God, there's never um, like a glass ceiling. Like you can continue to increase, but it's important to know your field that you're supposed to be in. So if you turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 8. I'm just going to read it. It's about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, but it kind of just shows into play how our lives look like and how they're supposed to look like. So Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 8. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. So sober judgment means no drinking. How can you be sober if you don't have alcohol? Okay, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Each according to the measure of faith. Okay, each of us are given a measure of faith. You don't pay for more faith. We're all given faith. You just got to use it and grow it. God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in, just, in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. 
So it says that God, here in verse um, 4, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have all the same function. So we are in one body, but we have many members, right? There's many people in the body of Christ. And it says that the members do not have all the same function. We don't all have the same function. That's how the body wouldn't work if we all were just a bunch of fingers, okay? We, we need the different parts of the body. So that's what's important is to understand that we all have different functions. We're not all called to do the same thing. Obviously, there's going to be multiple people of different things, right? Not one evangelist can save the whole world. We need multiple. But when it comes to your plan and your purpose and what you should focus on, understand that we have many members and they all don't have the same function. So though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So that's how we all incorporate together. That though there are many, we are one body and individually members of one another. So us being all connected allows us to build each other up even more, right? If one person's called to be a finger and the other one's um, a heart, obviously they both serve a great purpose and you need all of them together. So understand your giftings, not only like your spiritual gifts um, and how you're supposed to work in the body of Christ, but also like the gifts and abilities that God has placed in your heart. You know, um, God made you. He made you with desires and um, strengths and abilities and gifts for that purpose. You know, it blows me away because if God made you and he gave you those desires, he's going to give you a plan of purpose that is in line with that desire. You know, someone, I always say this, but someone once said, oh, I'm scared to like do what God calls me to do because what if it's not what I like? And I'm like, that makes no sense because God wouldn't call you to do something you don't like. Like if you, um, if you hate basketball, he's not going to call you to be an NBA player. Um, and the vice versa of that is, um, I have a deep obsession for babies and pregnancies and children and like everything in between um and I work at a job that literally does all those things it, it journeys with people who are finding out they're pregnant um teaching students not to get pregnant uh, and even walking with women who are pregnant and like giving them and help walking them through like the first couple years of parenting as a new mom so I literally walk and that's my job and every day everything I do is aligned with my desires and my joys and my gifts and my talents and I see God grow in them and I'm getting ahead of myself but what God has for you is specific to you so it's important to understand your gifting and your ability and focus on those don't focus on everything else don't focus on just what your friend's doing because your friend looks like they're having a good time don't just do that you know it's very um this happens quite often when someone hears like a great pastor and they're like oh, okay I want to be a pastor or they hear an evangelist okay I want to be evangelist ask God what are you called to do um Jonathan Shuttlesworth says the four ways to find out like to kind of focus in on what you're called to do is one read the bible two speak in tongues three um focus on your gifts and abilities and like what you're good at and four is like focus on what moves your heart so like what breaks your heart what moves your heart what motivates you those are the things you should focus on and we all have them. If you ask someone, like, what's your favorite thing in the whole world? Like, you know, if when you look at, like, big athletes um, who are, like, you know, in the, in the professional teams or whatever, you ask, like, all of them say who made it. They said, I love the sport so much, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Like, that's what it was. And they had the faith and the perseverance and the patience to get there. That's how it is. Everyone's called to have that kind of story where they're literally doing what they're called to be and they love it so much. I, I have that. Um... And it's, it's, and it's crazy. And you see, like, even the gifts flow, even in those areas. 
like the anointing works in every area of your life. So everything interconnects. But what like everyone's called to do kind of the same thing. We're all called like the Great Commission, right? To share the gospel, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to abide in them, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all the commandments. I totally messed that order up. But we're all called to do the same thing. Um, but how we do it varies from person to person. It's like how a lot of people in the Bible share the goodness of God and the power of God, but how they say it and how they do it and how they demonstrate God's power all different because they're different people. We're all different people. God created us uniquely. So to expect that he's going to use us the same is not like not accurate because God does not over like manifest himself and like you turn into a robot. No, he uses the vessel that is you. And so what you desire and what you like and what pushes you and motivates you is what God's going to flow through. So it's important to focus on that. Okay. So focus on your gifts. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You know, we've heard this um, verse multiple times, but we hear it in the other translations. And today I looked up the King James and I was like, oh my goodness, it's so different from the other one. Then it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You know what God thinks for you? And he thinks toward you is thoughts of peace. And you know what peace, you know, when I think about those, when we go back to the big celebrities, not celebrities, but like the players, um, the professional athletes, I'm sure they have a peace that they like, they pursued what motivates them and what like, what they love so much. And they're there. Like, you know how many people in life don't have peace because they didn't pursue what they wanted to pursue in their lives? You know how many people go to university for a, like a random degree because they knew it would get them a job even though it wasn't their passion and then they're not at peace. Every day they're not at peace. When you follow what God has for you because what God thinks towards you, it says it's also peace and God wants to have, God wants to give you peace in your life. He wants you to have peace and it says not of evil. Nothing that God has for you is evil and it says to give you an expected end. What does that mean? There is an expected end. There is an end result in mind. You're not meant to live this life aimlessly just wandering about. There is an expected end. There is an expected goal that you are supposed to achieve. There is a suspected dream that you're expected to have. That's why the Bible says you're supposed to overcome the world. Everything that's what you overcome, that's our victory. Our faith. Literally, we have victory. So there is an expected end. When God made you and created you, he had a big dream and goal for you. It wasn't like, oh, we'll see how this one pans out the way sometimes people parents raise their kids they're like oh we'll see how this one turns out no god has plans for you and it has an expected end he says he has thoughts of peace to give you an expected end you can expect that's why the bible says your expectation will be cut off because he wants to give you what you expect he has an expected end for you um proverbs 18 16 says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men you see i said you were all born with gifts and it says your gift makes room for you well you were not born People are not born with their gifts fully made for them. NBA stars did not were not born um, knowing how to dribble. They had to grow into their gift. But it says that your gift makes room for you. Meaning you have time to grow into it. It makes room for you. That also means you have grace to mess up on your way. It, there's a grace for you to understand and learn, figure it out. Okay? When you expect like to be perfect the first day you do something and then it doesn't work out, then that's not really a good evaluation of um, your abilities right? If you were to test how good you are at a job the very first day and um, and then decide whether or not that was enough, it's not a good evaluation. That's why people have a three-month probationary period because you need 90 days to have a proper evaluation of how that person's abilities are. So it's important to understand that your gift makes room for you. 
Even though your gift may not have been manifested yet, like in great measure, you know, it's not life changing right now. It does not matter because you grow into it. The Bible says it makes room for you. So that means you need to allow yourself to grow into your gift and know that your gift is going to bring you before great men. That's your expected end. You're supposed to be great. You're supposed to be above only. You're supposed to be the head. You're supposed to be exalted. That's literally the goal, you know, your destiny. Okay, number six, discipline. First Corinthians 9.27 says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Okay. The Bible says that he that they discipline their bodies like an athlete, training to do what it should. You need to discipline your body like an athlete. You need to discipline your mind, your day, like an athlete. The same way that athletes, if you've ever looked at like Olympians or any athlete, you look at their lives, like it's so to the teeth. They wake up at the same time, they eat around the same thing, they have certain workouts, like they need to do something over time. Um, Simone Biles was saying it took her years to get like a six pack, but then um, within like three days of them having pizza all the day, she's like, people don't know this, but like you, it takes years to get a six pack, but then it can all go away in like a couple days. Because she said, we just ate pizza, like, five, like for a week straight, and, like, their abs were gone. So that's that's how it is. On when It says, I discipline my body like an athlete. So you need to discipline your life like an athlete. The same way that you would enlighten up on training and working out and eating right um, physically, likewise spiritually. Or in terms of whatever you're growing in. Okay, you know, people who have good businesses, they say that, like, 50% of businesses, like, don't thrive. And oftentimes it's because... People like they like they don't work as hard. If you ever see people who got into the end of their work, it's because they're like I kept on running as fast as I could, even when things started to pick up. I continued to run at the same speed, and that's how you get to where you want to be. You continue to run. You continue to discipline yourself. If athletes, you know, like Olympians, if they like nail, let's say like first day of training, they nail the routine, and then they just stop training until the Olympics, which is like four years later, two years later. How's that gonna work out for them? They're not gonna make it. You need to continuously train. I always wondered why do they like. I was like, why do Olympians train so early, like gymnasts? I was like, why do they train so early when the Olympics are like two years away? Like I remember Simone Biles and them after like after the first Olympics and they like won all the gold and everything. And then um, literally like a couple weeks later, they only had a couple weeks and then they were already training for the next Olympic Games, which was like two years away. And I was like, why? And it says that you need to you need to train your body like an athlete, because once you lose it, you can lose it, you know, and then you have to restart over and over again as a runner. Like, I mean, I haven't run as much recently, but I run and I find that when I run continuously, each run is easier and easier, but I find that the longer breaks I take in between runs, the harder the first run is again. And that's how it is with your gifts and your abilities and your walk with God. If you take long breaks thinking you can just pick up where you left off, it, it, it does, it's not how it works. The way stamina works, the way that your body works, you need to continue to discipline your body like an athlete in every area of your life. In your Bible reading, don't lighten up on your Bible reading. On your time with God, your devotions, your prayer, you going to church, hello, Okay, don't lighten up on any of those things on hearing the word of God being preached. Don't lighten up on those things on um, when it comes to work. Okay, I do this too when it comes to work. No matter how good you are, there's always room for improvement. If you just settle, here's the thing. When work gets, when you, whatever you do, okay, and let's say you're really good at it. If you just kind of stay there and you don't, you don't have any ounce of you to want to improve. Guess what? Over time, everyone else improves. You're now obsolete. You need to constantly be changing and growing. Jonathan always says that life is versatile. You got to move with life and change with life and adjust um, to life because life is always changing. So you have to adapt and change with it. And it says that 
training it to do what it should. You need to train your body to do what it should. You know why you need to train it? Because your the desires of the flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You cannot just be like, yep, I'm going to work out every day. And then your body just every day wants to do it. No, anyone, any trainer knows. I've, I've watched a lot of athletes. Um, I watch their vlogs and they say in the morning, like, oh, I didn't want to wake up today. But they still do it because they need to train their body to do what it should. Your mind, your soul knows what your body should do. So you need to train your body to follow so that it's all aligned. Okay. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. See, you got to keep training. Otherwise, you yourself might be disqualified. If you don't keep it up, if you lose track of what's important, then your flesh, um, you know, you don't tr you don't beat the desires of your flesh out. And then all of a sudden you're doing desire um, like what your flesh desires. That's not safe. That's not healthy. That's scary. Because guess what? Your flesh desires to do sin. So you've got to break constantly. The Bible says you need to crucify your flesh daily because you literally every day you got to suppress that because it's going to always want to rise up. All right. Number seven, faith. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God for he who comes. Sorry, I just want to go back to the discipline point. Um, Adala Shuttlesworth posted this thing the other day where she said, you know how everyone's in quarantine. And she said that if by the end of this quarantine, you don't have like your side hustle started and like better health and like more productive. Um, she said, I don't think she said it, but she posted it. Someone said that you never lack time. You lack discipline. Because it's so true, people will say, oh, there's just not enough hours in the day. And you know what? Like, the time has never changed. Everyone in this whole world has always ever had 24 hours. Yet, why have some people accomplished so much more than others? It's because of the way they make use of their time. You need to discipline your time. And I found that the time that there's the most growth in my life is when I literally looked at the days per, like, hour or per minute. When, I'm, when I fasted, this is when I had this revelation. Because when you fast, you realize how much time you spend on food, how much time you spend thinking about food, going to get food, and eating the food, and then pooping the food just because it's all interlate. You know, you spend more time in the washroom when you eat more food. And I learned that when I first fasted that, like, wow, um... All that time that I was spent eating, like, you can then, you know, dive in the Word of God and things like that. But I just was more aware of time. And I was more aware of when I was wasting time, more aware when I was pursuing productive time, what I was doing my time with, using my time with. Because it's so important. So when it comes to discipline, you guys, use the time you have, you know. The people who became great did not have all the time in the world. You know, a lot of the greatest people I know who, like... Um, who had crazy stories and then thrived, they, like, made use of the little 20 minutes a day they had, and then it grew and grew and grew, but they, like, killed it during those times. So that's discipline, knowing when to do it and training your body to do it. Okay, moving on. Number seven, have faith, okay? Hebrews 7, 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You need to have faith that you're going to grow. That, you, that there is an expected end. That God does want you to thrive. You need to have faith and believe. You know, the Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. And it's impossible. So not hard, not difficult. It's impossible to please God without faith. You need to have faith. How do you build your faith? By hearing and by hearing Hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to get in your word. Listen to the word of God being preached and believe it. Simply look and live and believe. That's how simple it is. But you need to have faith. And it says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. When you come to God, you got to believe that God is who he says he is. All of it. Everything he says. He says, I'm a God who rewards. I believe it. He's a God who heals. I believe he heals. You need to understand who God is. Because when you believe who he is, 
you now you have a better relationship with him. You understand how he works. And then you're easily used by him because you know who he is. You know how he works. And it says that he, and you must believe that he is, and that he, so here's who he is. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, that's why I said that you need to diligently seek the word of God because he rewards those who diligently seek him. When you go, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do and only that, nothing else. God rewards that. And I see it in my life. When I had to lay aside everything and like drop out of secular school when I had like done this IB program and everyone else who did the IB program was like, you know, killing it in their, you know, big universities. And I was like, actually, I left, you know, I had to kind of like to the world, you look crazy. But I had to I had to humble myself in the world perspective where I always carry that. That was like who I used to define myself as. I, I was like, I was a straight A student who was going to do so much in the medical field or whatever. You know what? I'm still doing a lot of medical field because God's using me to heal people. But, um, but when I literally, he rewards those who diligently seek him. And diligently means good, consistent, excellent work. That's what diligence is. Consistent, excellent work. And when you, and he, and he rewards it. He sees, the Bible says that what you do in private God rewards in the public. When you humble yourself, when you seek God, when you pray to God in the private, you don't, you don't, you don't do it in front of everyone to show off. Oh, look at me! Woe is me! When you don't do that publicly, okay. When you do those things privately, where no one sees, He rewards you publicly. You know, people are now seeing the God like rewarding me in my life, and they're saying like, "Oh wow, how do you know all the scriptures and stuff?" But they don't know the hours I spent reading the Word. They don't know the hours, um, the days I spent constantly seeking and searching. The hours reading, reading about God, reading about His works through other prophets and ministers. Okay, they don't see that, but they see because those are done privately. But they see um, God reward me in the public because God does it publicly. So. Know that God is who he says he is and that he will reward those who diligently seek him. You need to continue this through patience and perseverance, you know. Continue in the faith. Through faith and perseverance, these people attain the promises. When you continue in faith and you diligently seek God, you seek God's will for your life. You seek who God is. You seek um, what he wants you to change, what he wants you to do. When you seek those things, he rewards those, okay. And God is a mighty rewarder. Proverbs twenty three eighteen says, For surely there is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Surely there is an end, okay? There is an end point. I know how life kind of says we don't know where it ends. There is an end point. God has one. And it says, and your expectations shall not be cut off. Whatever you expect, it won't be cut off. That is your promise. That is who God is. He is a um, a God who rewards you. And he is a God who literally says who he's, he's, he is who he says he is. When he says, if you believe in your heart, you will receive it. You will have it. It's true. And in Psalms 115, 14 says, the Lord shall increase you more and more you and your children you know you want to know who god is you want to know his will every time he says um shall or he is those are all his will and god doesn't change he's the same yesterday today and forever so whatever it says um in the bible it still remains true today so it says the lord shall increase you more and more you know i always say how you're supposed to get better and it thrive and improve and you're like where's the scripture for that well guess what i found it it's psalms 115 14 it says the lord shall increase you more and more that's his will you and your children what god wants for you is not just small it's not just for you it's to increase you more and more and your children he wants you to increase the lord shall increase you more and more he will increase you more and more 
And if the word of God is true, and it's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it's constantly active and living, that means that no matter where you are, God, no matter where you are, no matter how little you are, no matter how big you are, it says that the Lord shall accuse you, increase you more and more. So that is the hope that we hold on to, that when we continue to see God, we know that the end is just increased. It just gets better and better and better, because He's going to increase me more and more, and not just me, my future children are going to be blessed by what God's going to do through my life. You know, when you do God's work, his like the work you live in your life passes on to your children. That's not a common thing in the world. But it is the theme of God. That's literally his theme. If you look at the great man of God, the children get to carry it forth. The children get to continue to reap the blessings. They get the red blessings and the kids get to increase it. And the generations, the generations, the generations. We are the sons of Abraham. We are literally sitting in the blessings of Abraham still. Because that's who God is. So understand these are the seven steps for growth number one know your destiny number two change your confession three read the bible four read the books in that area read books on that area five focus on your gifts six discipline and seven have faith all right maybe not in that order maybe you should have faith in the beginning um but these are just seven things some of the seven things that i did that changed my life and um you know, and God's not a respecter person, so what he did for me, he can do for you. And I've learned that when you do things that other people do, like what that thing just said, be followers of the the ones who by faith and perseverance have achieved the promises. When you do what other people do and expect the same results, you will get them. It's like anyone, like if, if you like, it even comes to like weight loss or whatever. When people go, oh, I want to get like fit. It's like, okay, all you got to do is eat healthy, um, exercise, and like, you know, sleep properly. And then you literally do those things and it naturally happens. So you just need to do those things. And when you, like, when you just do those, there's a seven simple things that you can do that you can apply to your life today and it will change your life. And the Bible says that God is quick and he's not slow to answer prayers. He's not slow to move. God's always moving. He's always working. He's just waiting for you to get on board. So let today be the day that you got on board. Amen. So I'm excited. Today is the start of the rest of your life. I pray that this will be the increase than ever before, that this is a start um, of new habits being formed, new disciplines being created, um, a new hunger and thirst and desire for the things of God, a hunger and thirst for the word of God, um, and that you guys will continue to seek God mightily um, and diligently, and during, especially during this time where... Um, you know, everything seems unknown, but you know what is known and what continues to be made known? The Word of God and who God is. So I thank you that God never changes, and I thank you, Lord, that you have plans and purposes um, for each and every one of us. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to reveal that to people today. And I thank you that as they seek you, they will find you. And I thank you that you are a God who is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So I thank you that you're raising up people who are going to diligently seek you. Because when we seek you, we find you, and you're the greatest. <laughs> in Jesus name amen thank you God for who you are and guys I'm excited um share this podcast if it blessed you and you know what uh, it's important to be around you know how we said a companion of those who surround themselves with the wise will also themselves be wise it's important to get around people who have the same faith with, as you who are striving to grow as much as you are um it goes back to the companion of fools will be destroyed. So if you're trying to do these things, but you're hanging out with the wrong crowd, it's going to be really hard for you. So I would recommend that you go to a church that is spirit-filled, that has the power of God, that is that we're all working diligently to seek God and understand His call and purpose on our lives and to stay in line with that path. So I encourage you to come to King's Chapel, Canada. 
um, check out our Instagram and it has all our information. You can direct message us. We'd love to meet you. If you've been listening to our podcast and you don't actually know who we are, uh, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to get to know you and love on you and help you grow and encourage one another. So that's another thing that I didn't put in here, but yeah, surround yourself with men and women of God. And that was another thing. Um, the companion of wise people, I literally surrounded myself with wise people. And even if they weren't even in person, because um, I had to like listen to like, you know, great men of God are in America, like my senior pastor and Jonathan Shellsworth and Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Um, and I listened to them and, um, but you know what, there's power in people. And I was like, are there people here? And I started, I, they're, guess what? They're at church. And so Duh, where are you going to find godly people in church? So if you want to be around people who are going to encourage you, if you're going like, you know what? I actually do surround myself with a companion of fools. Like, I don't have good people speaking life into me. Come to church. And those those are the people that you're going to live life with. The Bible calls us to live life with one another. It says how much more the people in um, the body of Christ to take care of and love on them. So, you know, we're actually called to do those things. So, you know, if you're in this walk with God, you're not called to do it alone. You're not supposed to try to figure it out on your own. There's teachers and prophets and pastors who literally help you along the way. So come visit us, get fed, get around good people because it's so important. All right. So there's a little plug in for y'all. I mean, our title is King's Chapel Canada. So you should make it yourselves out to King's Chapel Canada. Amen. If you're blessed by these podcasts, like come see it live. You know, I was telling my sister, I was like, you know, um, the power of meeting people in person is like, you know, if you, if you like Beyonce, I used to like Beyonce, like, you know, you know, all her songs, um, all her songs, like she sings them all the same. Um, and if you know them all backwards and forwards, like, would you still want to listen to them in person? And my sister was like, yeah, obviously, because there's power in seeing people live. So, you know, I'm like, I'm out here on this podcast, but you know, um, more powerful to see people in person to get into that you know to get into that anointing um to meet the people get that impartation um get around people you know get around people you want to be like I'm not saying that you want to be like me but I'm just saying there's powerful people to meet in in person and if you're in Canada if you're in British Columbia you know we're here okay you don't need to go far far away we're here too all right so that's my encouragement come check us out we'd love to meet you <clears throat> And I thank you that God's bringing you to us. Amen. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please write a review and share the podcast. God bless.